All right, time to wrap with Royce and Patrick. Um, welcome back. Tell us about your trip to Cooperstown, which um, I, we all saw the column a couple days ago, and it sounded like that would be a very, very cool experience. Oh, it was being there. Getting there and getting home from <laughs> Albany will drive you crazy. Three and a half hour layoff in Detroit going there. Okay. Uh, we don't have nearly many as many Delta flights to uh Detroit as we used to, you know, you used to be able to pick your time of day, right? Yes. Eight in the morning, 10 in the morning, six, eight, 10. Now, you know, there was one to take and then you get there and you don't get the Albany flight till two 30 in the afternoon Mm. and coming back same way, two and a half hours. So it's a lot, it's an all day, one of those all day journeys to get there and back. And when you fly into Albany, it's in a sky West plane not exactly made for us full figured fellows. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it was, it was an ordeal getting in and out of there. And I drove out of there Thursday morning in the snow out of those windy country roads there, going okay. about 35. So that part wasn't good, but of course I, I, I did the uh, orientation with Puck in, uh, in uh, 2000 and uh, you know, they, every hall of famer gets, you can have them, they don't make the invitation. The Hall of Fame does have them invite one person from the local media that they like, that they would want. They would say, yeah, ask him or her to be there. And um, I was lucky enough to do it with Puck uh, in 2000, and that was good. But uh, this was fantastic because it was Tony, and uh, he has a quip about everything he sees as he walks through there. <laughs> He's got, you know... He still sounds like he's been in uh, in the U.S. for about two minutes. But if you listen to him, you you know. But he knows stuff. He observes the whole world of beyond beyond baseball, beyond what's going on in baseball. He makes world comments like he said, "There's nothing to do after you lose the World Series." You know, like Game Seven, and you lose the World Series. He says. It's like being vice president, he says. You have nothing to do. I saw that quote. It's a great and he, quote. And he makes, uh, but he, he makes all those uh, little observations that are they're pretty damn hysterical. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, but yeah, it was great. His, his wife and, you know, Gordette's along too. And she can enhance all the stories because she's lived all of them. They've been right. married over 50 years. And, uh, and uh, she's, her Spanish is way better than his English. So, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, she's, he's, uh, I mean, there's some, some amazing stuff about them. When they, they had been going back to Cuba every year until the last two years because of the pandemic. But when they go, Gordette tastes like steamer trunks. They bring a gift for 60 nieces and nephews. Wow. She knows, you know, and grandkids of those of the brothers and stuff of the family still back there. They bring all this stuff. She wraps Christmas gifts for them all. These kids who are now adults and she knows all their names and when they were born and what their age is. And Tony, Tony will say, well, what, what, what's that kid's name? And she'll look through her book and say, born this date, such and such. So she's quite organized, but yeah, it was, it was funny. It was funny. And, and a little bigger group following him around than when I was with, when I went with Puck, it was just Puck and I and Puck's family and one guy from the hall. But now the MLB network comes along and they, they film it and they've had, they've been having, if you want to see more of it, uh, 
the MLB Network had like a three or four minute uh, clip last night, and uh, and they've had it on the ML. They've had the uh, you know the audio of it on an MLB Network. And uh, there's one thing I'm going to have to get into that uh, Sunday I'm going to do some notesy stuff. And the one that didn't fit in yesterday was him talking about when he and Ro- uh, Rose did the uh, Gillette commercial, smooth shave. He saw he saw Pete's picture there, and he said Pete smooth shave but he says but they went there Gillette had them there they're going to be there an hour took nine hours eight to five because Tony couldn't say platinum plus and uh and then when he did say platinum plus correctly Pete had screwed something up they were there it was it was the greatest ordeal and all these Gillette guys were there expected to be there an hour I think it was at an all-star game or something yeah. 1971. So, uh, you know, Tony was leading the major. Tony was hitting three. This was in the middle, the pitching era when we, you know, the ball was pitching was incredibly dominant. And Tony was uh, at, at, uh, hitting in the 370s when he ruined his knee out in Oakland. He was leading the American League like by 55 points in hitting. So as they got, he came back and played then with a with bad knee after about 10 days. And I think they took this at the All-Star game. They they taped this thing at the All-Star game. But, uh, you know, because he was going to be the man that year. That was going to be a that – was, that was another batting title. But that, you know, that team was going in the tank because Harmon got hurt and he got hurt. And uh, and that, that's when the that's when the big decline started. But, but when – early in that season, he was the phenom because he was the only guy hitting, so – and they did that, but yeah, it's great. He's, he's still good. You know, he's 80, 83 and uh, he'll be 84 here at, uh, in, a, in a few months. And, uh, it looks a lot, uh, he and I, uh, the twins, uh, Julie from the twins was out there too. And she was taking a lot of photos and kind of recording it for the twins. And, uh, she took a picture of us in the hallway of the ba- in the, in the big hotel, uh, there in the, in the morning, I was over talking to him in the morning and, as I said on Twitter, one of these old timers still looks in pretty good shape. <laughs> you know, Tony, look, Tony looks good. He's uh, he's got his knees. He's got his knees fixed. You know, he's got two. Uh, he's for quite a while. He's had a, a good knees, and they they I think one of them he had done twice, but it's really good. But he's got a bad back, and man, they had him on his feet for over two hours, and uh, it was a it was a bit of an ordeal. But well, you think about this Hall of Fame too, guys. He was there. He was around the twins when, I mean, Harmon was the guy with him. They were the two guys. Rodney was his roommate and the other guy. And, uh, and, uh, but Cott, he, and he loves Cott. They're going in together, teammates forever. And Ortiz, he was around for Ortiz too, you know, and, uh, and, has, uh, has a view that that was a bit of a mistake. <laughs> but, uh, uh, he he did tell me that a couple of times he was that David wasn't running out ground balls, you know, and stuff. he hit a chopper to second and he just jogged down there. And Tony would Tony wasn't on the coaching staff then, but he he knew that didn't play with uh, the the, the Guardy was the manager then, but he was he tried to get him to hustle a little more. But so we were talking about all the doubles that Ortiz managed to hit in Fenway, mm-hmm. and we decided. 
How many would have Tony hit in Fenway the way he hit the ball for left center field? Tony would have had 70 a year. He would have hit 50. He would have hit that wall 45 times, you know, because he that was his that was his swing. So anyway, yeah, it was great. It was fun. So the 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 picture that I think you took, Patrick, of him with the Carew bat. So they they've just got bats of the guys and stuff like that down there. Something they have all these displays, you know, these artifacts that are displayed. Right. They got thirty times, forty times as many artifacts down in the storage area than the ones that are displayed, and they can change the display. And you know, they're going to emphasize this guy, but they got this massive room down there, and they have it categorized obviously uh it's it's detailed beyond they look at it and they go find something for ty cobb or or whoever and they had babe ruth's bat you know and they they were showing him to tony for the difference in bats you know and it's funny tony grabbed that bat and said this has got to weigh 45 ounces and the guy said exactly that's what it weighs 45 babe ruth's bat and then he then they showed him rodney's bat and that's uh, that's when he went into the story about I, you saw the story about Nolan Ryan and Rodney. He went into Rodney's stance and was talking about how Rodney changed his stance. That he he went from straight up to to uh, you know that that crouch of his right. But but not, but also would for certain pitchers would go back to being straight up and. Uh, he was hitting straight up against Nolan Ryan, and Nolan Ryan was one of those days kind of shadowy and uh, throwing 105, Tony said. And Tony always hit, usually hit three. Rodney hit two, and Tony hit three. And and Rodney's standing there, and Ryan throws one of his great fastballs, and Tony and Rodney doesn't move, and it goes behind him. So he didn't move. And... And Tony went freaked out in the on deck circle and said, Ruby, Ruby, what happened? What happened? And he said, Rodney looked at him and said, I think the ball went through me. <laughs> you know, because he didn't know how it just he didn't react. I guess I guess he didn't have time to react to like everybody else would have when they saw the, you know, when a, when they see a ball like that coming, they would have jumped somewhere or right. some direction. And Rodney just stood there like he was taking a pitch, you know, <laughs> went right behind his back. But wow. There was uh, 50 stories like that that he told. Because everything he saw, he had a story about, you know, and the, especially the contemporaries. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a group of, you know, the team, there's the, the camera crew and uh Gordette and uh their daughter their oldest daughter Anita who's named after Tony's mom great gal kind of a keeper of the flame too you know mm-hmm. as a she's I think she's in marketing to some sign and I've become a good friend of hers and yeah it was it was really good and then we got downstairs and they had the bigger media group and that's in the plaque room and they signed the the place where they're going to with, we're going to go in the hall. I didn't know that. That's cool. That's really he's cool. Gonna, he's going to be over there in the corner, and they they do a good job. They're going now. There's only three living ones this year out of the seven, but they, you know, Bud. I don't know if they found relatives for Bud Fowler, who was like 1898 when he stopped playing. But uh, beyond that, uh, Minnie Minosa. That that's the other thing about this Hall of Fame. Minnie was 
one of his guys, you know, from Cuba. Twelve right. years, twelve years older than Tony, but a hero of Tony's. And to go in the same year with him is uh, pretty amazing too, because he, he he told me about a bunch of conversations he had with Minnie and said when Minnie would get beat, they had the elections more often back then. And when Minnie would not make it, he Tony, I'm not, and, and, you know, Tony, I'm not going to make it, Tony. And uh, and uh, Minnie died before he made it. And that's what Tony was thinking. He says, he says, you know, they've changed the voting for Tony's category every five years now, I think. Mm -hmm. He said, that's a long time to wait when you're 80 years old. <laughs> when you get yeah. to 80, you don't think you're going to make it. So I'm just, you know, I mean, there's Tony's health seems per, uh, very fine. So, but he's just, you know, he's 83 and, and uh, he's so, he's so damn happy about this that it's, uh, you know, he doesn't, he, he's not the hero of every story or anything like that. You know, he's very, his stories often reflect, you know, humorously on him more than, but he, he'll brag about himself, but he'll also demean himself. And uh, he's just such a good guy. And and I mean, he would have been he would have been a thirty four hundred hit guy if he you know if he hadn't got the bad knee. So uh, I, you know what? We all complained about Harold Baines, but Harold Baines making the Hall of Fame has kind of opened the way for really floodgates. Good, really good people like uh, Tony Olive and Joe Cotton, who are both. In my opinion, more deserving than Harold Baines, but uh, but Harold Baines is a you know was a hell of a player. He's a really so, good player. Yes, so, he was. So, but you it it give, well Gil Hodges got in this time too, and he died what at age fifty four. He died uh, in like seventy two during spring training. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it, he was always the you know the uh, he was the guy in the you know, in the World Series and uh, when they finally beat the Yankees, I believe, in 55, mm -hmm. uh, that they were having, that he hadn't had a hit in the World Series. And, you know, I, I can't remember which World Series it was. He hadn't had a hit. And on Sunday morning at all the Catholic churches in Brooklyn, they were saying prayers for Gil to get a hit and stuff like that, you know. So, you know, I mean, and he finally made it too. So they definitely... Uh, you know, there were some people like Richie Allen that they thought were going to make it this time, but I think they, the voters kind of looked and went with the older, went, went with the older group figure and, you know, Richie has deceased, is deceased already, but it's amazing how many of those guys have died in the last, you know, when you go through the film and everything, oh, yeah. in the last two years, it's yes. been just a carnage, man. Mm -hmm. There's so many of them that they, that, you know, Bob Gibson, they got a, 10-year-old tape, they got this great movie, the Generations of the Game, that's really good, that kind of introduces the whole thing, and and uh, they show Bob Gibson in that, and it, he's got to be in his 60s when he's making it, and he looks like he could pitch, you know, and now, you know, and he's dead, and uh, he, might, he was, Tony was my, uh, that's not BS, was my all-time favorite player as a Twins fan, but I just loved him, and before I ever met him, I loved him, and but Gibson was, I was a Cardinal fan and Gibson was my number one pitching idol. Uh, and to, uh, to think that he's died, a big, strong, amazing man that's, uh, you know, died too. He would hit you in the head too. Oh, Bob Gibson head. would hit you right in the head and not blink. 
the story, uh, no, that was Drysdale Mott told the story about that Gibson. But yeah, when like oh Drysdale was too, yes. When Richie Allen came up, Dick Allen, he came later. But when Richie Allen came back, I mean, they would they had yeah Gibson and Drysdale and all these mean nasty guys, and Mock always told the story that he became big friends with Drysdale because the Angels connection and uh, Mock, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's. Wes Covington was batting for the Phillies, left-handed hitter. And Rod, Dick Allen was in, Richie Allen was in the on-deck circle. First time Drysdale's going to face him. And Drysdale keeps staring at the on-deck circle until Richie Allen catches his eye. And he kind of looks at him and nods, and then he throws one right at Wes Covington's head and sends him sprawling in the batter's box. And, and Mock said, Richie was never comfortable in the box <laughs> against Don Drysdale for the rest of his life, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You're up there with no batting helmets on it. Tony, Tony said, you know, the first two months that he was, when he came up and he was hitting Amazing. I and I always have remembered the Phil Reagan one when he threw it right at his head, which was about Tony's fourth game. He said, I spent more time on my butt than I did standing in the batter's box the first two months because they were gonna, okay, kid, you're gonna get up there and stand on top of the plate. And he didn't stand on top of the plate, but he was, you know, up there crowded and, and get all these base hits. Or they were just knocking him on his ass for two months when he was first there, just throwing amazing. Then Tony also, remember, he had the, well, this was before your time, but he had the bad knuckle. He broke his knuckle. He got hit by a pitch. And he'd, he'd lose the bat like 20 times a year. It would go fly. I've heard about this. Yeah. And they the pitchers would get very few. Most of them would go down the left field line, but uh, the pitchers would hold on to the bat. Then they'd throw at his head the next pitch. <laughs> the umpires would just stand there, sit there like that with the big, you know, so, so Pat, I, I, I've, I've all Cooperstown's my number one Hall of Fame. I've obviously, I've, I've been to the U.S. one, a hockey one. I've been to Canadian hockey one in Toronto, but the baseball Hall of Fame is number one to get to. So, you're recommending if I wanted to go, is the best way to go Detroit into Albany? Can I take a direct flight into Albany? Give me the easiest path that I can get there. You cannot take a direct flight into Albany. There okay. are other options beyond Albany, though. Syracuse is. Uh, okay half hour for longer but no matter how you get there once you get off the freeway 88 or some people just take 220 which winds through the trees and all these little quaint towns Mm -hmm. you know what quaint is a euphemism for bleep hole that's (laughs) what it is they're all with bad roads crappy lousy little towns with ramshackled but maybe one bar in them. And uh, so, I mean, you what you will not believe, Declan, when you go, is how middle of the nowhere it is. There's mm-hmm. a gorgeous lake there, and it's a summer, you know, kind of, there must be resorts around there because it's summer population is, you know, you got all these rich families that live up there and stuff, but it's in the middle of nowhere, which is kind of what makes it fun. But, uh, also, I mean, they got one eating spot in town, Mel's, that's on Main Street. And Mel's, I couldn't even 
at this time of year, it was full. And then there's one bar downtown and that's it. Then you got to go out a little bit in the country, but there's like two pizza joints, a couple of bars out there. Maybe they took us to the best restaurant in town and it's a, you know, one and a half star on a scale of five, you know, it's, I mean, it sounds quaint it, to me, Pat. It sounds quaint. Know, it's quaint. It is quaint, but it's, uh, you know what the night, the fun thing about it is, though, it's, it's an old, it's the building is, like, they've done some stuff and expanded, obviously, but there's nothing new about it. The the building is, uh, if you're driving by, if you're downtown in the Arctic, if you don't look at the sign, you think you're driving by the, the library, you know, the, mm-hmm. the big library in town. And then there's another little auxiliary building, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's like most towns like that, man. You want to get a jug of milk at ten thirty in the at night? Forget it. You got to wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know? go, go to the local speedway those and just us, pick up the jug of milk. Those of us with the twenty four hour cub would say, oh, you know, you you got to look at your watch in that place to make sure you've you've satisfied all your nourishment and alcohol needs by you know by a certain time. So it's a uh, it's I, I they, the staff up there has always been fantastic, even though it's a it's a new crew here. So they're always people, and I pointed this out, but people don't realize this is not an arm of MLB. It's a, right. it's a completely different uh, operation. It's a nonprofit, and they have a steroid display, and they have a they have a work stoppage display. They we'll have another display updated, and but they don't, you know, they change their displays a lot. But uh, but they don't they don't cover up the scandals and and stuff like that like they would if MLB owned the place. You know? So MLB hey, Pat, throws them yeah. some money, I think. But it's uh... hey Pat, last thing, what's your best guess now with with the breakdown of all of the progress that was made in such uh-huh. a quick time and all and all of the pro owner journalists telling us they're so close to the finish line that we are now uh basically I don't think we're talking again officially till Thursday. I am not Next a Thursday. pro I'm not a pro owner journalist but I'm not a pro player journalist either. I'm a, I That's think, fair. I think they both suck. And uh, <laughs> they do. I don't just The biggest problem here is the commissioner doesn't care if they play until June, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. He I does do. not. He doesn't want he wants 14 playoff teams and he does not apparently way more of their money yeah. is attached to the play the postseason part it of it than we know. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's all he cares about. And you know, he's uh if they can get rid of him after the, you know it's hopefully they'll sign a seven or eight year deal and uh and then they can get rid of him as commissioner and get somebody who actually likes baseball in there. But uh I I I do hope they come back with uh, you know what? You and I have talked about it yet. There's no reason to rush back this time with a bad deal that does not address baseball's problems as far as playing the game is concerned. Because you know, if you rush back and you're still, you know, using, you know, ten pitchers a game, and uh, you know, it's taken forever. But the fourteen playoff teams is gonna I mean that's that's gonna give me a headache. It's just so stupid. But you know, 
I think his logic is when you say, how can you play 162 games and then put half the teams in the playoffs? And so his solution is let's not play 162 games. You know, let's play a hundred, you know? So he's, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I wonder what the owners think of him. I, I, I think if they of, win, they'll be happy. I think the ones that sell a lot of season tickets, though, are not they're probably real happy. I did see that that they don't have to start repaying the RSNs back for missed games until 25 have been missed. So basically, really? you can get, you can 25 get 25 or 25%. What, 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 no, I think 25? it's 25. Yeah. I think it's flat out 25. It's basically if you miss the month of April, you don't owe a refund to the RSNs. Wow. Well, when those RSN contracts oh, that's gonna change. expire, it's going to become the Jesus time hmm. financially for everybody. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... You know, I said in my lead, I said, you can't forget about the evil Putin when you're up there. What a miserable human being that, I mean, he's now blowing up nuclear plants. Yeah, but, uh, not good. Uh, crazy. But you can't forget about baseball's problems for a few hours because it's, they, you know, this is, this is where they still cherish the game, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Good luck. Uh, anyone coming up for the Hall of Fame is, uh, is I was in a hotel called the Railroad Inn. This is the off-season. It's an old railroad thing. It was nice. They could have filmed The Shining in there. I think one, I think the oh, second no. night I was the only guest. Oh, so basically, no. Basically, these things just operate for summer when people come to Cooperstown, and especially for Hall of Fame weekend. There's nobody in that town. Here's Ricey. Nobody. Yes, they apparently they bring up they bring up kids and the, the kids groups and on spring breaks and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's I mean, my friend Tim Mead, who used to be with the Angels and then went up there to run it and lasted less than two years. His, his wife was not a big fan of someone who's been in L.A. Has to adjust their lifestyle to be in Cooperstown. I'll tell you that. To a quaint town, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know what? Quaint, overrated, <laughs> overrated. Yeah. All right, Roycey. We'll talk to you next week. See you, Jen.